I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today, we're joined by Kristen Sonde, a social justice advocate and the co-founder and COO of Paladin, a tool to help legal teams run more efficient pro bono programs. Kristen, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. So Kristen, I'd first love to hear what's on your mind most right now. Yeah, of course. So I'd say there are two things that are really top of mind for me right now. The first is just the magnitude and scale of the need for legal assistance right now in light of COVID-19 in particular. Um, And the second is just how kind of under-resourced the legal aid and access to justice community is in addressing these needs, Um, especially in light of the economic situation um, and the quarantine. We're seeing a number of different areas of need um, kind of popping across the country and with legal services organizations, you know, funding potentially drying up and um, donors pulling back a bit and they're having to um, cut down on headcount. Capacity issues are are really coming to the forefront. And so we're thinking a lot about how we can help these legal services organizations kind of streamline their pro bono processes to intake and serve more clients, excuse me, more clients while also helping um, pro bono volunteers and law firms and corporate teams get as many attorneys involved with pro bono as possible. Amazing. And we will talk a lot more about that in a a few minutes, but I'm wondering before we delve into that, if you could tell us a little bit more about your story and your journey to uh, founding Paladin and and, and how that, that idea came to be and how you helped identify this opportunity in the market. So for a bit of context, my background is with the U.S. Justice Department doing international criminal work in Mexico and Central America. So at DOJ was really where I got to see firsthand how complex our judicial system is to navigate. And especially for people like me, I'm not a lawyer, um, but I'm American, I speak English, and it's a really complex system in itself. Um, But for those who don't speak English or um, have it as a second language or are not citizens, it can be really nearly impossible to navigate. And so working through DOJ, um, a lot of our clients there and the victims that we were working with were uh, Latino, as am I. And so this became a really important kind of personal passion of mine to help serve my community um, by providing them some kind of additional legal assistance. And I knew I wanted to do something around access to justice and social impact. So after that, I decided to not go to law school, but joined the founding team of a tech company in New York that we took through Y Combinator, which is a very prestigious, large accelerator program. We ended up scaling internationally, and that's how I learned how to build a business from the ground up and really grow a startup. I met my co-founder Felicity a few years ago and she was a litigator at a large firm in New York. She had just come off of an asylum case that she won pro bono for a Colombian man who was being persecuted by a local guerrilla group and really changed his and his family's life. Prior to that, Felicity had done some pro bono work at the UN and the International Criminal Court and we just got to chatting one night about access to justice more broadly and pro bono more specifically and about how a lot of lawyers want to get involved in pro bono and give back, but um, the ecosystem is pretty 
complex to navigate. And even though we have this professional responsibility rule in the US uh, that says every attorney should aspire to do 50 hours of pro bono, only about a third of them really hit it. So there's a disconnect between attorneys who want to get involved and do good and um, their ability to kind of navigate the pro bono ecosystem and find cases that are well aligned to their background and their interests. So we figured there might be an opportunity to leverage technology and help attorneys find cases and opportunities that would be a good fit for them. And that's how Paladin was born. Essentially, our mission is to increase access to justice by helping legal teams run more efficient pro bono programs. And we focus a lot on you know, how do we increase engagement while decreasing just the administrative burden for attorneys to find out about, learn about, and sign up for pro bono cases. And then how do we track that impact? It's great to know, you know how many hours we're doing and how many folks at a firm are getting involved, but we wanna know what happens with those hours. So tracking things like uh, the communities that we're serving, the practice areas being leveraged, the skills that lawyers are building throughout this process, and then ultimately understanding whether or not a client achieved a desired outcome. So really providing a holistic picture of these pro bono programs while making the cost to running them a lot less. And when, when you talk about the cost of running them, this is typically a cost that the law firm is, is bearing in terms of helping match lawyers in the firm that want to do pro bono work with the opportunities that might be available? Yeah, that's a good question. So the, the way that pro bono kind of operates and operated before Paladin was pretty manual in that it was a combination of kind of emails back and forth, phone calls, uh, filling out Excel spreadsheets and Google Docs to keep track of who's interested in what. And we ran a couple case studies with pro bono counsel at large law firms to understand how much time that was taking and that we thought should be freed up for higher leverage work, new initiatives, taking on cases um, and supporting attorneys at the firm. And we were able to show that the administrative part of this pro bono back and forth costs about three quarters of a million dollars on average per year at one of the big law firms. Um, wow. That's an, yeah, it's an incredible cost. So for a very small fraction of that, we can leverage technology to streamline that process for both the legal services organizations that's in taking these clients and looking to find attorneys who are, are well qualified to represent them um, and send through those cases in a, a more democratized way so that lawyers at firms and in-house across the country can access them um, in a streamlined, consistent manner and then express interest with the click of a button. It, it feels like a flavor of, of the friction that, that many people experience around even something like volunteer work in that most people want to volunteer, but it's kind of finding those volunteer opportunities that are a good fit for your geography and your interest and your skills and, and how do you best deploy those. It feels like you're applying some of that thinking and, and streamlining and eliminating friction around matching the the supply side and the demand side. You've got lawyers that are willing and, and able to do pro bono work, but there was just a lack of systems to, to fairly effortlessly connect them with opportunities that are a good match for their, for their skill set and their interest. That's a good point. And you know, and it can be really overwhelming to, um, to, 
try to find something that's a good fit, especially if you're receiving you know, multiple emails with lists of cases multiple times per week and just have to sort through them. So we wanted to make it really easy. You know, once you indicate your interests, your background, um, share a little bit about the communities you're interested in serving or the practice areas and skills you'd like to leverage, we can help surface um, a more personalized experience to those lawyers to help connect them with opportunities that are a good fit a little bit faster. And I think, you know, one of the misconceptions about pro bono is that it's, um, it's cumbersome, it's a bit intimidating, it's all litigation focused. I mean, people hear pro bono and they think, you know, a lengthy asylum case, for example. But uh, I want to make sure that, you know, lawyers know it doesn't have to be that intimidating. It can be something that's a little bit uh, more time constrained. We have a lot of transactional pro bono work to be done and um, you can pick up a couple hour clinic and help intake clients for a local legal services organization at night or on the weekend. So, there are just so many ways for folks to get involved and it's important to us to help attorneys realize what's out there and help them connect a lot easier. So let's talk about the importance of eliminating that, that friction and improving the scalability of pro bono access, especially in the, the midst of the, the COVID-19 crisis. So the access to justice crisis was nothing new uh, before COVID-19 hit. And if anything, COVID-19 has... Uh, exacerbated the issues around access to justice. Can, can you speak a little bit to, from your perspective, what trends you're seeing, um, maybe how the, the landscape is changing and where we might expect some, some pain points to be coming down the, the pike when it comes to access to justice? So for a bit of context, the Legal Services Corporation published a report last year this is prior to COVID, of course, that said that 86% of legal needs on behalf of low-income Americans were not met. 86%. I mean, that is just an insane number. And that has increased from about 80% the year before. So we were already seeing the need for legal assistance on the rise um, before this crisis started. And then, as you alluded to, everything has been just exacerbated significantly. So I think at this point, we're up to 41 million plus Americans who have filed for unemployment insurance um, at some point since the pandemic started. Uh, yeah. We've seen a, a huge rise in evictions and landlord tenant issues. So housing is a big area. Domestic violence is unfortunately on the rise. LSC just had a great forum a couple weeks ago talking about you know, what legal services organizations are seeing on the ground and how they're... Uh, handling uh, the increase in domestic violence situations. Um, and then also I'd say there are, this is COVID specific, there are increased health risks we're seeing to certain populations. So incarcerated individuals and detained immigrants, um, we're starting to see become more and more affected you know, physically um, by the pandemic. So there are just a ton of legal issues. You know, they, some have cropped up, um, especially as a result of the pandemic. Others have just been exacerbated, but this is not gonna go away anytime soon. And we actually expect to see an increase even six, nine, 12 months down the line as we see the second and third order consequences of what's happening now play out. So we're in this for the long term and we want to make sure that you know even though people attorneys are at the ready to do pro bono now we want to make sure that they continue to be mobilized over time um, because these situations unfortunately are not going to go away it feels like we're heading for some pretty turbulent territory given the fact that funding for so many legal aid organizations is 
in a tenuous state with uh, with IELTA funds and others uh, not not earning as much interest and not creating as much funding for these organizations as in the past, matched with unprecedented legal demand. Can, can you talk a little bit about the, the pressures you think the legal or aid organizations will be facing and, and maybe how they can think about navigating these, especially trying times that will be ahead of us? That's a good question. This is something that really keeps me up at night because they are the experts on the ground. I mean, they deal with clients day in and day out. Um, they've been stretched thin, not just in terms of their own capacity, but also in lending their expertise to other organizations that have started new initiatives to help um, ease uh, all the, the intake that they're seeing. So, you know, I think there are two, maybe three main ways that I see we can help the legal services organization community as a whole. And the first is by providing that funding. So um, as we see those funds dry up, as you mentioned, making sure that law firms don't cut their annual donation allocation to these organizations is going to be really crucial. Um, LSC has done incredible advocacy in making sure that Congress is aware of the importance of the need for civil legal aid in America, and they've gotten uh, a bit more funding passed recently, which has been incredibly helpful to help compensate for that. Um, the second, I'd say, is helping by donating more attorney time. So really supporting pro bono. And I know that you know, at some firms, pro bono is, has significantly increased recently. At other firms, I think attorneys may be a little bit hesitant to get involved because they want to focus on the billables and you know, keep those up as much as possible. I don't think that has to be the uh, expense of pro bono, though. And oftentimes we'll see um, we'll see pro bono and billable hours positively correlated together, um, and there's so much work to be done. So hopefully, if folks do have a little bit more downtime, they can get involved, and law firm executive teams can support pro bono even more now more than ever. And then lastly, is investing in technology. So I think as we have seen, and you know, on, on this podcast we've talked about, and with a few other folks, we've seen the power of technology and being able to increase capacity uh, for organizations, both on you know the intake side, in volunteer attorney recruitment, and then actually matching and facilitating that work. I think is something that we'll want to pay even greater attention to moving forward incorporating tools like document automation and things like that are going to increase the efficiency with which we can serve more clients. And so hopefully I think that one thing that comes out of this is an increased kind of appreciation and openness towards using technology to help increase access to justice because um, the need is so great and we should be using every tool at our disposal. Absolutely. Um, there's one interesting Observation you commented on there that you saw a positive correlation between pro bono hours worked and billables in the in the revenue stream. Can can you talk about were you able to unpack what was underlying that that positive correlation? That's a good question. So that's actually something that came from um, one of our um, clients on Paladin as they noticed that correlation and um, probably at, at every firm it's a little bit different, but I'd imagine that it's tied to, some of it is at least tied to the leadership at that firm. I mean, they really value pro bono in general and support their attorneys um, taking it on and don't see it at the expense of billables per se. So um, when a team is kind of more efficient and heads down on their billables, at the same time, those leaders are 
encouraging pro bono work um, as a team and supporting people and getting involved and providing them the resources to do it. So um, having that internal support has really been key for attorneys at any firm um, to increase their hours and, and continue iterating on the program. Yeah, I, I wondered when you commented on that, if there was a, a qualitative aspect that would be hard to suss out of the data, but but potentially people being more motivated and feeling more engaged, potentially actually, you know, doing more and better work overall, potentially. Yeah, uh, for well, sure. Your comment around technology uh, was an interesting one and another thread I want to pick up. So the importance of technology in creating scalability of delivering legal services is, is obviously something we've talked about a lot in this podcast. Um, and I had the privilege of working, you know, uh, firsthand with, with you, Kristen, and the, the Paladin team over the course of a really interesting project we uh, got engaged with, with the New York State Bar Association focused around creating access to justice and access to pro bono legal services in New York State. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that that project and how you got pulled in and, and what uh, Paladin and, and Cleo and the New York State Bar Association were able to collectively deliver to the, the residents of, of New York? So we really appreciate your looping us into that project because I think for us we saw a really fantastic opportunity to leverage the technology that we had built to recruit volunteer lawyers um, and really apply that at scale in a way that we had never done before. And what was exciting about the, the NISBA project, the New York State Bar Association kind of pro bono portal, um, for which on one side they took in clients for a variety of different um, issue areas, starting off with an unemployment insurance denial appeals program. Now they're working on a probate project. And I know they have a few others lined up. Um, and then on the Paladin side, helping them to recruit volunteer attorneys and then ultimately um, deferring to the experts to match them up and get started on cases was that it, I believe it was the first state bar association kind of taking the reins and at the direction of Governor Cuomo there, um, building out a statewide system to help support people in need. So for us, it was not just exciting to you know, have that kind of scale and apply the technology to help serve people in mass, um, but also collaborate with all the great organizations on the ground that are already doing this work, incorporate their feedback into what this kind of statewide infrastructure should look like, deploy it, and then iterate over time. So we see this as really the first step of uh, a longer term project to help support large statewide initiatives uh, really across different areas of need and help as many people as possible and to be able to work with you know the folks at Clio and other um, really great experts was such an honor. And as you, as you said it was really pretty uncharted territory for a, a state bar association to be getting pulled into the the actual facilitation of, of access to pro bono legal services. Were there some lessons that you could extract from that experience that you think uh, legal uh, aid organizations or other entities might, uh, might adapt to their playbooks to help scale their ability to provide access to justice, especially as we're forecasting the oncoming tsunami of, of legal issues that, that will be related to, to COVID-19 and the various fallouts 
from COVID-19 that we'll see? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, the legal services organizations are really, again, the experts on the ground. They've been doing this for so long. They know their clients inside and out. Um, they know the issue areas, and they're the ones that we rely on to help train and support the volunteer lawyers. So, um, I think in terms of kind of who, who's helping who in the ecosystem, their um, perspectives and input is most valuable in figuring out how we scale this. Um, I do think though that we proved that two things. Number one, um, collaboration across all the entities are is really important. And mm -hmm. so to the extent that these organizations are running programs that are, you know, a bit ad hoc, just working together to share best practices has been really helpful in the NISBA case that we're actually going to be applying to a few other programs across the country as we help stand them up and scale. So that was really helpful. And then second, just being open-minded to technology has been really important. So getting them involved with the development process, uh, making sure that you know, our, what we're building is amenable to their existing workflows has been really important. Um, and just incorporating kind of tech tools into the conversation and the workflow as we go um, has been important for increasing efficiency across the board. So we're really excited to continue working with legal services organizations um, across the US and beyond as we continue spinning up these special initiatives and making sure that we can serve as many people as possible. And <clears throat> let's shift from, from NISBA to the national level. Uh, Paladin is also engaging at the national level with the ABA and recently announced a, a project uh, of national scope. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Of course. So this was a really exciting project for us as well um, because I think it did kind of take what we had just been talking about, kind of these ad hoc programs and centralize them in one place to increase efficiency. So traditionally, the ABA's, the Young Lawyers Division's Disaster Legal Services team, um, which is kind of FEMA's official um, legal liaison, uh, has worked to spin up hotlines in each of the 50 states as an emergency declaration is made. Um, so they're, they were traditionally kind of run as one-off programs, and we hadn't seen uh, obviously a pandemic or a disaster of this scale um, in recent history that they've had to manage. So before COVID, they were addressing the tornadoes in Tennessee, the earthquakes in Puerto Rico, obviously prior hurricanes, um, we're moving into hurricane season, so the disasters, they don't stop. Um, but you know what we can do is provide kind of one centralized streamlined tool for the ABA and FEMA to work together to create these hotlines and intake clients on one side, for the ABA to streamline and recruit volunteers on the other side, and then pretty seamlessly pair them up. So again, getting rid of these emails and Excel spreadsheets and Google Docs, we wanna create one platform where they can see everything coming in across the board in one place and make that match as efficient as possible. Amazing, and, and this is the, the first time you've seen Paladin deployed on kind of a national scale in that way with the ABA, is that right? Yes, so it's interesting. So with Paladin, we primarily work with large law firms and in-house teams who are based in a number of major metro areas, but to do something across all 50 states was new to us. Um, there are a lot of nuances, there are a lot of kind of jurisdictional considerations that we um, needed to be sensitive to, and we're still learning a lot, to be honest, as we go. Um, there are a number of 
different organizations on the ground that are working on their own disaster relief projects. So, um, you know, we're starting to loop them into the conversation a bit more and just understand how everything kind of plays together because before this, there had never been one consistent technology to, to help everyone really lift all boats. And to the extent that we can leverage what we've built to help a, a number of teams rather than just kind of one entity, that seems to be most beneficial for everyone. So to, this has been a great conversation, Chris, and I think to, to round it out, I'd love to spend a few minutes talking about how our, our listeners, and, and many of them are, are practitioners in, in law firms of various sizes, but especially solos and small firms is a, a big chunk of our, our listenership. When you're talking about how law firms can help address the access to just, justice crisis, when you're talking about how they can um, help out uh, consumers that are facing facing legal issues that that normal legal services might be be out of their reach. What can the average law firm do if, if you're leaving this conversation with a, a call to action, maybe? What does that sound like? Yeah, of course. So I think um, lawyers can do a few things. The first is, of course, to volunteer their time. I will always promote and ask attorneys to uh, get more engaged with pro bono work. You know, they can, of course, go to our ABA portal, aba.joinpaladin.com to find opportunities in their states. Uh, they can also reach out to local legal services organizations to just understand what's out there. Actually, Pro Bono Net has a really great directory of LSOs on the ground by state, so they can you know, contact them directly and understand what local needs are. And the third, I'd say, is to donate if you can. So these organizations, again, are, you know, they're underfunded. They're doing amazing work and really uh, need to be supported during this time. So I mean, one silver lining of all of this is that attorneys do tend to step up in times of crisis, and we are seeing uh, attorneys wanting to get involved with pro bono now more than ever. And to the extent that they can, you know, support these local legal services organizations um, in any way, um, that will really make a difference. And these are our neighbors that are are hurting, and people are scared. And um, attorneys have the ability to really change people's lives. So I'd encourage them to get involved however they can. It, it feels like there's a real opportunity coming out of this COVID crisis to lean into technology in brand new ways as it relates to the facilitation of pro bono legal services, as well as the delivery of pro bono legal services. And I think that's really exciting. And I, I think that we're seeing, at least with some practice areas, pretty substantial reductions in demand for legal services, at, at least for the time being. Um, and, and the average lawyer may be finding themselves with more time on their hands where they could be uh, volunteering this work, maybe not at the opportunity cost of billable work and, and for-profit work. So I, I, it, it feels like a, an opportunity when you line that macro environment up against an unprecedented need for pro bono legal services, a real opportunity to, uh, to give back to the community. So I think that's a, um, a great note to, uh, to conclude on. Um, but, but before we, we sign off, Kristen, can, can you speak from your perspective, what you've seen as the specific areas where U.S. citizens require the most pro bono legal assistance? What, where do you see as the 
hot spots and, and maybe it, it's emerging data, I'm sure, but uh, you alluded to this in our, our opening. What, what areas are you seeing COVID-19 really drive a, a spike in demand for pro bono legal services? So I'd say the biggest areas that we're seeing right now are definitely around unemployment benefits, number one, um, small business issues. So navigating things like PPP and um, other areas of need, those are, are two pretty big areas that I think were um, scaled quickly up front. Um, other areas that were a bit trailing, but we're going to be seeing significantly increase over time are domestic violence issues, of course, especially as the quarantine continues. Um, and then fourth, I'd say, is housing issues. So landlord-tenant disputes, unlawful evictions, um, especially as some of the federal protections expire um, or local protections expire in some jurisdictions. So I'd say those are the four main areas that we're seeing. And then, of course, there are always ongoing issues in family law and, and other areas, but um, that's kind of the, the top uh, volume that we're seeing right now. Kristen, thanks so much for the really useful perspective you've been able to offer on pro bono legal services and some of the ways technology can really help uh, accelerate and, and drive impact in that, in that domain. Uh, to, to conclude, I, I wanted to ask if you have a, a parting message for our listeners, speaking to them either as legal professionals or, or simply as human beings. Yeah, of course. Um, well, first off, yeah, thanks again so much for having me. This is a really crucial time. And um, as I mentioned before, you know, these are our neighbors. This is our, these are our communities and, you know, they're hurting, they're in need. And you, know, you guys listening have the skills to change their lives. And if, even if you're not a lawyer like me, there are still ways that you can get involved um, by donating technology or administrative support or, you know, other skills that people are looking for. So, um, it doesn't have to be a big, long litigation case. It can be something um, short and quick, um, but can really have a significant impact. So I do encourage everyone, if everyone listening to this podcast would just do a couple hours of pro bono, that would be really powerful. So that'd be my ask. All right. Well, that is a fantastic <laughs> note to end on. Thanks again for joining us today, Kristen, and uh, stay safe out there. Thanks. Likewise. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider, for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com.